0: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore b and on Instagram at Locked on fantasy Basketball. Today we are looking at some options on your wave wire or potentially on your wave wire that you could add to your team in the short and long term who could have an impact on the success of your fantasy basketball squad. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed, of course. This is not everybody who is available on the waiver wire. These guys might be rostered in your league. They might not be useful to your teams, and that is always super important. It's important who you drop, and it's important the benefits of those players that you add, that you analyze, all of that stuff. Let's start by looking at some guys who I think are underrepresented on fantasy rosters at the moment. And the number one guy I want to talk about, again, these aren't in order, so I shouldn't have referenced him as the number one guy, but Markel Fultz of the Orlando Magic. Uh, with no DJ Augustin for the next three to four weeks. Fultz is coming into his own. We're seeing the minutes push up, the usage push up. He's getting steals in with Jonathan Isaac out. His assists are strong. Uh, I really like what we're seeing from Fultz. We're seeing this is basically his rookie season. He didn't really play at all in his first two years. And we're halfway through and things are starting to kick into high gear for Fultz. minutes are pushing up as well. There is no other point guard unless you include Michael Carter-Williams on this team. So Fultz is a guy who is rostered in 55% of leagues. Now, it is 97% rostered in our advanced metric, but that still means there's plenty of people who aren't playing in those leagues that we sample for the advanced metrics where he is available, and he shouldn't be in any 12s and probably any 10-team leagues. I would not be leaving Fultzy over on the waiver wire. Next guy, Jarrett Culver, a first-year player. And this is just, again, something to remember. When someone tells you about the rookie wall, it is bullshit. It is bullshit. The vast majority of rookies get better as the season goes on. Some might get worse, and people will always use that. Oh, look at that rookie wall. He got worse. The majority of rookies get better, and Jarrett Culver is getting better. He is, at the moment, the starting uh, shooting guard, small forward, however you want to reference him for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's going to get some playmaking duties with Shabazz Napier and Jordan McLaughlin, the only point guards on this team. Him and Wiggins will get some of those opportunities. One of the big things holding him back at the beginning of the season, was just god-awful shooting numbers. But they have improved. He's at 51% over his last seven games and 70% from the line. And when you look at he's under 40 from the field over the course of the season and under 48 from the line, big, big steps up. And that 70% from the line is more in line with what he did during his uh, tenure at Texas Tech. 17 points over those last seven games, five rebounds. Now, the assist numbers are pretty low. He has been really good at generating defensive stats for us. He's not a high-volume three-point guy, but everything is starting to come together for Culver at the moment. And just look, he hasn't had a single-digit scoring game since back on the 28th of December when he scored seven points. He's been double digits in all of those games. He's blocking shots. He's getting steals. And we just if the assists come in, then we are going to be looking at a bloke who is going to comfortably push into the top 80 if those numbers do come in. His teammate is someone also worth talking about, Shabazz Napier, who at the moment is the starting point guard for the Timberwolves. Now, he's not going to be a high-volume scorer. He's going to have field goal percentage issues, but getting a guy who can get six or seven or maybe even eight assists off the wire is really, really hard to do, and that's what Napier is. Now, he's not a long-term starting point guard. In fact, by the trade deadline, he might not even be the starting point guard on this team. But for the short term you need some assist numbers. Napier is in that prime position to do it. So he's someone that you can look at in majority of formats. He's rostered in only 21% of Yahoos and 63% of advanced leagues. So uh, a lot of opportunity there to go and add Napier, even if it is for the short term. The painter, Matisse Thibault. Now again, this is one of those key context ones. In a points league, he's probably not going to be useful. But what he does and at the moment, with Joel Embiid out, we are getting a lot of thigh ball. And I think even when Embiid comes back, he's going to sit in that mid to, yeah, low to mid 20s in minutes. And he can generate one and a half steals, one, one block, 1.1 blocks during that time, and probably give you one to 1.5 threes as well. Now, you're not going to get any assists, any rebounds, any volume scoring, and percentages won't really be all that great. But what he does, he does better than anybody else. And that alone, is that makes him a valuable commodity. Now, he is rostered in 46% of advanced leagues, 12% of Yahoo leagues overall. So he's there for everybody. Everyone in 16-team leagues, it's an absolute must-add. 14 teams, it's a must-add. And 12s, you just have a look at where it fits and what you need in terms of those defensive numbers. Because for the short term, the minutes are going to push high. And I think they might remain relatively solid going by the words that Brett Brown has said recently. The next guy we look at, another young player, another rookie, in fact, Darius Garlo Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers, like Jarrett Culver. He is getting better as the season goes on. What an absolute stunner that is. He is a guy that I think can push into the top 100 for the rest of the season. He's worked his way into the top 200, which he was out of for quite a significant chunk of time, but we're seeing the shooting coming, but more importantly, we're seeing the assists coming, we're seeing the usage jump back up, we're seeing the minutes stabilize at a much higher level than where they were when he'd be getting you know, 28, then 30, then 27, and we'd have guys like Jordan Clarkson come in and steal that playing time, Well, Dante Exum and Matty Vadova aren't coming in and stealing his playing time, so I think we're pretty safe there, I, I do really like Garland quite a bit for the rest of this season. And if you don't want to grab someone like Napier, Garland, someone we should be looking at who is the 87th ranked player over the last two weeks of action. Let's look at Bridges. This is McCall, Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. He has started the last two games in place of Kelly Oubre. They've been really good. Uh, He's not going to be able to play probably that many minutes each night moving forward, but his ability to get steals and be a really efficient shooter is useful in all leagues. It might not be useful for your team, but it's going to be useful to someone in your league. I think from what we've seen recently, he's going to keep in that 28- to 32-minute mark. Regardless of Oubre's status, he should be playing those minutes over Sharic and over Cam Johnson pretty clearly. He's a key piece of this team winning. And I think we're going to see those minutes push up. But he's that he does underwhelm. He's not a high-volume three-point guy. He doesn't score much. But 1.5 to two steals a game is really bloody good. And that is where the influence... And then he can have those games like last time where he dropped 26 points. And that really gets you hyped. Another bloke who is really good on the steals, the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, He's a guy that, it's it's a double-edged sword. We look at him and go, the upside is really high because if he played 32 minutes a night, he'd be a top 50, 60 guy. But him getting to top 60 is just not going to happen. So in that case, he's a low upside player because he's going to play 24 minutes a night. He's going to do what he's doing. And unless an injury happens, which is impossible to predict, he's just not going to push up further. But that doesn't really matter. He's the 115th ranked player this season in 23 minutes a night, and he's rostered in 16% of leagues. Something is off there. It is largely in, uh, due to the steals, 1.7. Yeah, I think that's sort of the number we think he can get to. He shoots well, good free throw shooter, hits threes. Very similar to guys like uh, Matisse Thybul with less blocks, but more offensive ability. So DiVincenzo, a guy really, really under-rostered, low upside guy, but solid at the back end. Dylan Brooksie Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. He has been inconsistent throughout his career, but over the last two, three weeks, the numbers have been really, really strong. He is the 124th ranked player over the season. He's rostered in only 47% of Yahoo leagues, 90% of advanced leagues, but over the last two weeks, 59. That's what I'm talking about, where that inconsistency has sort of disappeared. 46% shooting. 21 points per game, and he doesn't do really a huge amount else. Three boards, two assists, point sixty. It's like none of that is exciting really in the slightest, but it's that scoring, the volume scoring on efficiency, which isn't killing you, which has turned him from being an outside top 120 guy to being an inside top 60 player. That is how much of a difference those percentages make, because if your percentages go up, as I've told you before, they influence multiple categories, points the the individual percentage numbers and if it's talking field goal percentage in general your 3 point your 3 point uh, makes will go up as well and he's shooting 44% over the last 2 weeks last guy i want to talk about on this individual list is Dwight Powell of the Dallas Mavericks Powell is rolling at the moment you're probably limited upside with the other players there and some of his recent success could be tied to the fact that Kristaps Porzingis is out but I'll just roll with him and let's just see where that goes. So I think that he's a bit, again, it might not be for you. It might not make sense on your team, but he is a guy I think that we need to be looking at. Let's move through now. I've got a lot of lists of guys to talk about. Here are some other players who are available in too many leagues, I believe. Paul Washington Jr. should be a 12-team league guy, as should Lord Alfred Payton. Although I do fear his role getting cut at some point if the Knicks were, sorry, I almost said if the Knicks were serious. They're clearly not. Uh, Alec Burks is a guy who also should be a 12-team league guy. Terrence Ross, especially with Augustin out, he's going to get massive opportunities to jack shots in that second unit. He can knock in threes. Points and threes are going to come for Ross. Damo Lee in Golden State. I'm not really looking at him go. I'm not going to add him because Steph's coming back on March the 1st. Uh, that doesn't matter. For now, uh, Lee is putting up good numbers, and he is worthy of a 12-team roster spot. Well, Larry Nance is an interesting one. Last game... Kevin Love played 33 minutes. Tristan Thompson played 34 minutes. And Nance still got 24 minutes. That is highly encouraging to see him play minutes, not only as just primarily Love's backup, but to play alongside him. If he gets 24 a night, he's a 12-team league guy in his own right. Otherwise, he's a stash guy for if Love gets traded, which I don't think is necessarily going to happen. But for now, Nance putting up some uh, good numbers in the last two games, 24 minutes apiece. And then the wave pool, D'Anthony Melton, another guy like Dante DiVincenzo, whose upside is high, but it's also really low. Because Jamarran and Dylan Brooks, at this point, they're not, not going to lose minutes. They're not. We are not seeing them lose minutes for Melton to get them. If one of them gets hurt, then Melton becomes a top 50 guy, pretty clearly. But at this point, he's going to stick in that 19 to 21-minute zone, which is enough to be a back-end guy but then you're holding, hoping for an injury for him to get better. But he's still producing in that role. Very, very similar to Di Vincenzo, a high upside guy who doesn't have the upside to get to that upside. If that makes any, I need to find a term for that. If somebody has any suggestion for what the hell term that could be, because saying high upside doesn't make sense in that scenario. The next list of guys, these are more short-term ads. Uh, Luke Cornett in Chicago with both Dan Gafford and Wendell Carter out. He has been starting at center. Uh, He's not going to be fantastic, but he can block shots and hit threes like a a poor man's Maxi Kleber, which we'll get onto a little bit later. Cornett can be a short-term ad. Same with Nemonyi Bielica with Rashawn Holmes out. It looks like Holmes has an outside chance of returning this week, and that eventually is going to put a real impact on Bielica's production. And same goes for Maxi Kleber who is getting some big numbers while Porzingis is out. He has solid value in that scenario. When KP is back, Kleber goes off. Uh, Reggie Bullock, a guy, that if you're looking for threes and points, with RJ Barrett out, uh, Bullock can come in. He can knock down three or four triples a game. Um, yeah, that's the sort of numbers that you're looking at someone like Duncan Robinson. like That's what Duncan Robinson provides, and that's what Reggie Bullock can provide in this short term. And with DeAndre Jordan out with a dislocated finger, Nick Claxton is going to be the backup center for the Nets. There'll be nights, I think, where Jared Allen might get into foul trouble, and that pushes his minutes up. This is more of a deeper league ad, but Nick Claxton can be someone in the short term that has value, as is Monty Morris of the Denver Nuggets who is the starting point guard for the foreseeable future while Jamal Murray is out. He's more of an assist streamer along the lines of a Shabazz Napier that I referenced earlier, but there is value in him as there is value with his teammate, Michael Porter Jr. Now, Porter's shooting is insanely hot. With Murray and Harris out, he's getting much more run. I'm not if Harris comes back. I'm not sure exactly how much run we're going to see out of Porter. It probably won't be the same level, and this shooting's not going to stick. But he's worth having a crack at because he's starting to put it together, and the opportunity for him at the moment is there. Same goes with Jordan Poole, who is, uh, who's played 28 minutes in three of the last four games with Jacob Evans out. He is stepping it up. Now he is. Really just a deeper league flyer for points, but he scored well last game. He's a name I thought I should at least mention. And the same goes with Landry Schammett with Paul George out. A guy that's providing those Duncan Robinson-ish type numbers. Two to three threes a game, 11 to 12 points. He's going to have zero value when Paul George comes back. But in a 14 to 16 team league, those threes and points that Schammett is currently providing, they at least have to be mentioned as something that you can look at. Especially with the Clippers having a, uh, a positive schedule for this week. Same goes for the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. As long as Anthony Davis is out, he is worth streaming in. And Jordan McLaughlin, the backup point guard in Minnesota behind Shabazz. I reckon there's a chance he takes minutes off Shabazz at some point. He's a two-way guy, which is a concern. But I've liked what I've seen from McLaughlin. I liked what I saw from him at Summer League as well. So he's a name to watch for deeper leagues. Well, JJ Redick, at least while Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson are out, Redick is pushing into that 30-minute zone. I don't think he remains a 12-team league guy. Now, he's obviously on a higher level than guys like McLaughlin and Claxton and Poole and those sort of guys I just mentioned. But Redick, for now, is more of a short-term guy than a long-term option. Getting towards the end of the show now, a few more lists we talk about. Some players on hot streaks that are worth mentioning. Derek Jones Jr. has been rolling at the moment, as has Daniel Tice. Tice is pushing into back-end 12-team league value. More 14 teams, though. Javal McGee also getting a boost with, uh, along with Dwight Howard with Anthony Davis out. If you're looking for some block numbers, JaVale can provide that. The little dog, Glenn Robinson's on a hot streak at the moment. I, I like him more for 14-teamers, but he is under-rostered. And Troy Brown, his recent numbers are worth mentioning. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy because they are going to drop off. Jay Crowder, the most inconsistent man in the world. Some times may be good, some times may be shit. He is, uh, you know, this has been some great games. There's been some shitful ones. He's more of a 14-team league guy. And the same goes for Svee McKay. another one of these guys, and we talk about it all the time, don't overvalue threes in a draft because you can find McKay. you can find Jordan Poole. You can find Glenn Robinson. You can find Duncan Robinson. You can find Landry Shamit. You can find shit tons of guys who knock in two threes a game. And with Luke Kennard out until the All-Star break, McKay, is going to have those opportunities. Trevor Ariza has, was playing or he was playing a lot of minutes in uh, Sacramento, and the steals were coming at a high rate. Now, he's probably going to go to Portland and start in that role. He, to me, is a specialist steal streamer. Think along the lines of someone like a Chris Dunn, but worse, he is not the defender you think he is, but I am not convinced that Portland understands that. They don't understand necessarily—they're they're trying to resurrect their season by playing two 35-year-olds at the three and the four, which is never going to go well. But if they play him 30 minutes a night, he's 1.5 steals per game. We talked about DiVincenzo. We talked about Melton. We talked about those guys getting those steals. If Ariza does that, then there is value to him there as well. While KCP also putting up some really, really strong numbers currently. It is helping a little bit that Rajon Rondo is out, meaning that more players like LeBron play more exclusively point guard and KCP plays off ball. He's also significantly better than Avery Bradley, and we're seeing that night in, night out. He is more of a, a points and, again, threes streamer type player. And then my last little list of the day, we're talking about some long-term flyers. You know about the crucifix Christian Wood. Um, 16 minutes last game and a really productive line. 16 minutes is hard to say ever. Look, if I'm looking at a 12-team guy right here, right now, is that good enough? Probably not. But you're holding out hope for a Drummond trade, which is like three weeks away, the trade deadline. Again, should never be convinced that any trade is going to happen. So don't be convinced that Drummond is going to get moved, but Wood's a good option there. I've got Nance in there uh, as a second uh, second time to talk about that trade option. Anthony Simons, maybe they decide to start him over Trevor Ariza. He started last game before Trevor was available. He didn't do anything. That's just really an upside guy. Same with Gazza Trent, who dropped in 30 points mostly in garbage time in Portland's last game, but absolutely a name we need to look at. And the other option who could get a start there is Nasir Little, who I think would be really good for them to start alongside Carmelo and try to develop him. But God, let's, let's go to a 35-year-old who's actually not good anymore. That would be a great option. And the last guy I talk about here is Josh Okogi of the Timberwolves, another one of those. You know, getting steals, streaming steals is a real easy possibility, along with threes, and Akogi's one of those blokes who is getting those minutes, mid to, mid to high 20s in minutes, 1.3 to 1.7 steals is really valuable. The rest of his game has been dreadful for most of this season, but if he can turn that other stuff around, he is at least worth watching as we move forward this season. That will do it for me today in the waiver Wire Show. Let me know if there's anyone you think that I missed out or someone that you disagree with or anything that I said. Drop it in the comments or throw it at me on Twitter at RedRock underscore or on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. My Yahoo mailbag article is going to come out today and I'll be back later on to recap the two Sunday games and preview an absolute ball-bursting 14 game Monday in the NBA Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.